Well, hey, this is Rob and that's Micaiah and you are listening to our 10th and final bonus episode before we kick off season two of You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, we are concluding 2021 with our annual best of list. Micaiah, we went round and round, ultimately narrowing down our favorite albums of the year down to five apiece. Before we get into our lists, what do we need to say about the music of 2021? In a word, underwhelming. Fair. Uh, we think of music in terms of like lists and everything and... um. I don't know that anything came out this year that I would think is like, oh, this is a for sure going to be like best of the decade Mm -hmm. or, oh, this is going to make my personal top 100 or anything like that. You know, so not that an album's purpose is to make it onto a list, um, especially like someone out there's like personal list or whatever. But yeah, there's just nothing was felt truly exceptional. Whereas last year, I feel like there was quite a bit. Yeah, you know, um, and we'll talk about a couple of those um, in the following season, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, I mean, there were there were really there were maybe five albums that came out last year that I think qualify as kind of immediate great albums. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I couldn't help but think this throughout the year. There was a lot of music that came out this year that was good. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of music that came out this year that was pleasant. You put the album on, you stream it, you enjoy it. And while you enjoy it, it is also almost immediately forgettable. And and so it's, it's almost like there's a whole lot of albums that are good. They're, they're put together. Well, the music is enjoyable but there's not a whole lot in them that really draws you back to keep, to want to keep coming back to that album over and over again. And I'll say, yeah, to that point, like for like the bottom few on my list or bottom couple, I had to really put an effort to get into these albums. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, okay, I like that just fine. I'm good. I heard it. I'm good. And then when it came time to start thinking about like best of the year, it's like, okay, well, I should revisit those and like really give them a fair shot. Listen to them in the car, listen with, you know, try to listen to them in different settings, different contexts and stuff. And, and then I liked them more and more, but you know, it was really a matter of like really having to kind of put the work in this year and mm-hmm. really trying to listen to them over and over again and something, just listening to something and kind of having that like instant classic cannot stop listening to this kind of reaction that, you know, not that's necessary for what makes an album good, but you know, it's um, it's nice when it happens. You know, and especially coming off of a year, the last couple of years where I feel like we had a solid group of five or ten albums where I was like, wow, I can't stop listening to these like these albums. The last couple of years were pretty exceptional for me personally. So this one's a slow down. Um, but that being said, you know, the five albums I'm going to talk about, I think, are great albums. Yeah, and, and so this is the struggle for me as well. My top three were were pretty firmly in my top three for the majority of the second half of this year. 
everything kind of for really, if, if, if I look at my list of top 20 albums of the year, four through 20, you could throw in a basket and pull and pull out in any order you want. And I'd be happy with it. That that's, that that's, that's kind of how tightly grouped they were all together yeah. in, in kind of just the good, but not great. Yeah. My favorite three albums of the year are good albums that on, on certain days I'm like, Oh, this is a great album. And then my number one, which my, my instinct is that you and I are going to share the same number one album of the year. My number one album of the year is the only album that from, from when it first came out has never fallen below the number two spot for me all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that for me was that kind of longevity. Um, that's, that's true for my number one and my number two. Um, but my album that was the best of the year for me, I really put there because of the longevity of kind of it. I saw it as a great album all year long. And there mm-hmm. were very, very few albums that I saw as great albums this year. So that was that was kind of the deciding factor for me. So an underwhelming year for music, maybe an average year for music, but underwhelming yeah. in comparison to some really great stuff that we had last year. Another friend put it this way. It's like, it was a better song year than an album year. Yeah. Oh, I'll agree to that. There, yeah, I, mean, and I think I think I agree with that, too. There were there were, there were much better songs this year than there were albums. For, for as many years as we've been talking about how the culture of streaming music was ultimately going to force us back to the era of the 45 or the single it, the album hasn't gone anywhere for as many years as we've been talking about this. And so I I wonder maybe if we're actually just beginning to see the first generation that has been raised almost exclusively on streaming music, as we see that generation begin to make their own music is this what we're going to begin to see is the is the not maybe a move away from albums, but a, a, a greater move towards songs than albums. Mm-hmm. Now well, I mean, you have like an artist like her mm-hmm. who has like a grant, who wins a Grammy or an Oscar or something like every year. And her album only came out recently. The first, her first album, even though for a year she had been this like awards, like darling, you know, so we're seeing it happen and yeah. we're seeing it being rewarded, you know, just putting out a couple really great songs each year instead of, you know, entire albums. And going back and listening to a lot of the albums and a lot of the top 10 list, you see a lot of albums that are 10 songs, 30, somewhere between 30 and 40 minute mark, like shorter albums, concise track lists. You know, we are getting away from that kind of bloated CD era post LP was like, Oh, we can put on like virtually as many songs as we want on a disc, like on a, on a CD. So let's, yeah, let's really, you know, pack them in there. And so now somehow in streaming, I think there's you know this so much about people's attention span going away, blah, 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 blah. Ever since, you know, the invention of the television, bringing those into people's homes in the fifties, whatever. But, you know, you look at these listens, like people are responding more to, Shorter albums. The, as a general principle, I think that's true. But I also think that you're seeing the interesting pushback to that. And, and I think especially as 
the same thing that we saw in the early 80s with the advent of MTV and, and really music became much more of a visual medium. I think now that people have so much music and have the access to do things like TikTok and, and kind of performance reels and all that stuff, uh, I do think that there is a, a visual component that is kind of coming back in its, important, in its importance to music, which I think also allows for much more kind of ex- expansive works that we see in terms of um, yeah. the stuff that we see on streaming services. And so um, I, I know for me, I'm going to be talking about one one of those one of those albums that kind of got started on a streaming service. It's also hard right now because this is the first year of a new decade. It's the first year of a new decade. We are now uh, into the second year of COVID. At the beginning of the pandemic, people kind of took it as an opportunity to go, hey, we're going to have a few weeks away. I'll go take these songs I've been working on. You know, we'll get them down. And, and I felt like there were a lot of great albums we got in 2020 because of that. Or there were albums we got right before the pandemic mm-hmm. that kind of became these com- these companion pieces yeah. for the pandemic. Now that we're in the second year of the pandemic, I, I think I think that does in many ways paint the music that we're hearing. You know, it, it, it changes mm-hmm. it changes the music that we're hearing. And I'm also interested to see like is the direction, is some of the shifts that we're seeing in music, are these indicative of where music is going? Or is it just indicative of how ridiculous the last year and a half has been? And I've got two things I want to say because I've been enjoying what you're saying so much. Um, if I only had social media, if the if all the music I was getting came from social media and not the radio or streaming or my own, you know, looking, you know, digging for for new stuff, if I only had social media, I would think that Doja Cat was the biggest star in the entire world. Oh, yeah. Because all year long, she's had about maybe like three or four different songs used on social media for, you know, different reels or in stories and whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that, that is the thing. It's just like social media becoming very important for like the creation of of these pop stars. And another thing I want to add was about music in 2021 is that what's probably been the most exciting thing about experiencing music in 2021, other than the you forgot one podcast is live music again. And having all those albums that we were sheltered with throughout 2020 going to shows and these songs are like mega hits, but they're being played in front of an audience for the first time. You know, I saw Waxahachie, we were the first show on her tour and her album, St. Cloud, came out March 2020. It came out like the weekend of the shutdown. She was playing new songs and everyone knew all the words and the band was ecstatic about getting to play these songs and seeing how they're being received. And it's because instead of her releasing an album and then going on tour next month or that month, everyone had spent a year and a half with this material. So by the time she was ready to perform it, people were even more ready to receive it. And so there've been some concerts that have been really exciting. And of course uh, the Dylan concert was the same way. Getting to see finally, you know, so that in 2021, that has been a very exciting thing about music is, is live music coming back. um, And, kind of getting finally a fully realized version of these songs that we had been listening to over and over again while we were 
you know, locked down. Uh, so yeah, well, yeah, that's something I'd kind of forgotten about until something that reminded me of that. Yeah. Well, that being said, we're going to stick to kind of our formula for the bonus episodes. I think we both have top 20 lists, but we're not going to give you those. Um, instead, we're going to keep it to our five favorite albums of the year and our favorite track off of each of those, uh, beginning with number five and going down to number one. Um, and then we'll both give you our hardest album to leave out of the top five. And we will tell you some exciting things coming up that you can expect in the next season of You Forgot One, which will be premiering in mid-January of 2022. So we will take a quick break, let you hear from today's sponsor, and then we will be back with our top five of 2021. I'm going to go first. Please do. And I want to start off with my number five album of the year is An Evening with Silk Sonic. Uh, Silk Sonic is the collaboration between Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars, uh, which also includes uh, some fun from our beloved Bootsy Collins and bassist Thundercat uh, on this album as well. But Silk Sonic is a collaboration, and this is an album that I think for most people, their first exposure to this was social media this year as their first single, Leave the Door Open, became the source of many memes and many TikToks and many reels. And as ubiquitous as the song, You Can Leave the Door Open or I'll Leave the Door Open was... I'm actually choosing as my representation of this album the second single released from An Evening with Silk Sonic, the single Skate. Feel free uh, to decline uh, responding to this. Do you find on roller skating sexy? I think so. I think so too. And and here's and here's why. And, and now this is again revealing my age. I'm a 41 year old. I am firmly Generation X, and so I can still remember middle school and high school where you know you didn't have a cell phone, and this was even before like AOL Instant Messenger and stuff like that where 
if you wanted to be seen, if you wanted to get an opportunity to hang out with the girl you had a crush on, if, if you wanted to have just some freedom away from the parents, well, Friday night in the skating rink, uh, that's, that was the place. And, uh, I can't tell you, uh, South Florida's own galaxy skateway, um, that played almost exclusively 96.5 WPOW Power 96, Miami's best R&B and hip-hop. And uh, we listened to that as we uh, skated around that rink for hours and hours and hours. Uh, I can still remember the DJ there, his voice. This one is a lady's choice. Ladies, pick your man and skate with him. So, yeah, those were... Those were great days. So I, I don't know how much of that is that there's something actually sexy about skating or if it's just a thing that it reminds me of those days where um, uh, to steal a line from Ben Gibbard, we were all still learning how our bodies worked. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the first place outside of school where you can lock eyes with someone and be like, oh, my God, I'm in love, you know, you know, at that young of an age, you know which I think is, you know, very exciting more, you know, there's more opportunity for that than there's like at a movie theater where everyone's sitting in rows and looking at a screen. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, when you're young, there's the mall, the movie theater and the skating rink. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I loved the skating rink. I mean, earth tone, big chunky roller skates Yes, please. Even when people were making the move to rollerblades, even as a kid, I was like, no, no, no. Give me those big orange wheels and those brown skates. Hand them over. People doing the cha-cha slide in skates. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, and there's something, yeah, to me that's just like very uh, sexy about roller skating. And and it came back um, over TikTok and, and, and you know what? Good. Yeah. Good. Micaiah? What about you? My number five was one of the albums I was anticipating the most uh, for the year uh, because I enjoyed their previous record um, so much. And that is I Don't Live Here Anymore by The War on Drugs. Great album. It's fantastic. Um, I mean, if especially if you're like really into 80s era Dylan, Paul Simon and Dire Straits, well, then. Good news. Uh, there's a band out there who's really leaning into that really hard and doing a really great job at it. Uh, but also a bit of Bruce Springsteen kind of attitude and yeah, yeah it's kind of tunnel of love, kind of Bruce in there also. And yeah, it's just, it's just good, a good time. Sonically just sounds absolutely incredible. And I mean, look no further than the title track. Uh, it's it's a great song and being someone who we've talked about in this podcast is not like a lyrics first person I probably listened to this song 10 times before I realized there were three Bob Dylan references in it and then of course like it's like oh I, I guess subconsciously that's why I was responding to it because it is kind of like that i 
Cause you're void of form Been so afraid of everything I need a chance to be reborn I never wanted anything That someone had to give I don't think anyone's going to challenge me on that pick. It's it's pretty beloved, uh, pretty instantly, um, and all the websites and all my friends and everything. You know, it's kind of one of the ones I think definitely people can. When it came out, I was like, "This is the top ten for the year, no question." Yeah, so it's it, for me, it's in that it's in that grouping of that like four to twenty, where like it could, it, I could just have easily had it as my four or five, as I as I could my nineteen or twenty. Like it, it's, it's a good album. It's, it's definitely enjoyable. Um, it is, it is not as good for me as their last album, which I, I really saw as, as, uh, as, as really a tremendous, uh, piece of work, but, but still good, good album, yeah. enjoyable. Um, you know, no complaints about it. You know, and, and, and again, I think there's something to be said for that. There's a lot of music this year where like, I have no complaints about it. There's no, there's no like big critique I have of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like it it didn't it didn't get to that kind of epic level where you went oh this is this is it yeah no i'm with you because i a deeper understanding their previous record was the one i was just like i was like this is top of you know best of the decade i mean this is truly truly exceptional you know uh, rock and roll music um but yeah there, there there are a number of artists who this year who i really liked or love who came out with a new album where it's just like, I'm just kind of judging it against their, you know, they, they have a lot of albums on their belt now. I'm kind of just kind of judging it based on that and being like, well, it's not as good as maybe the last two records, you know? So it that kind of helps make it feel like this year wasn't that great when even like some of my favorites are coming out with albums. I'm like, well, it's not, you know, maybe it's not their top three or their top five best, but I like it, you know? So, and that's why I think at this point, you know, my like my top two favorites are 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 newer artists to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I I don't have much to to judge against these albums. Yeah. So the, all that being said, uh, Rob, what's your number four? My number four is one of those albums that I did not get into until just the last month, and very similar to you. And as December rolls out and people start releasing their best of the year album lists. You know, there there are things that there are things that got released late in the year. So Adele's new album 30 um came out late in the year. And it's in and then and again, that's another one of those albums that's kind of in that four to twenty range for me. And then there are albums that I hadn't listened to at all this year. And then I was noticing that these albums were showing up again and again and again on all these year, you know, kind of best of the year lists. So I finally kind of really dove into it in 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 fairness this is the first album by this artist i have really kind of made myself sit down and listen to repeatedly and was surprised how quickly it grew on me um and really um i will say uh without question i think this was the the best hip-hop album of the year 
And that would be Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler, the Creator. And uh, again, an, an album that I, that I came to late, but an album that I really enjoyed. And the groove in the penultimate song of the album, Wilshire, uh, is, is just something that's infectious. It just kind of sticks in me. And it's one of those things, even though it's a second to last song on the album, every time I listen to this album, I find that kind of the, the groove from Wilshire is the thing that I take away from uh, in this album. And so that's going to be my choice for number four. Tyler, the creators, call me if you get lost. And my song pick is Wilshire. Met you on a Saturday, knew it was something. Soon as you spoke it, I fucking across the table. Don't think anybody noticed. You asked me if I was coming to city you from. Maybe we should kick it. I was interested. That would be dumb. If I deny long legs, good ears, great taste, smell good. Sense of humor, obvious, a good face. And we clicked. We was at each other's hips. I ain't even wanna fuck. Cause your presence was enough. You and I make sense. You stayed back at my telly. We was chatting till morning. The vibrations was heavy. I wasn't drowning. Yawning, that's when I told you my feelings You told me you felt the same But you got homie you dealing with Damn, I didn't know That's a bit unexpected But I get it, it's whatever Least I could do is respect it We still gon' kick it and check in Like nothing could ever stop it The problem is he my friend But if I'm honest, I'm really hoping you drop him It's morals I really have It's lines I could never cross But you got something that make all them good intentions get lost I try to keep it together Never felt this way We spent about two weeks together Only skip one day And they say Bros over hoes I'm like nah hey I would rather hold your hand and have a cool handshake but whatever we still could be friends it could still be chance I'ma play it cool we got something we cannot pretend on uh, uh. Yeah, see, now that is an album that is not in my top five favorites so you're not gonna hear me talk about it on this list or on this episode except for right now and so I want to take the chance to say uh it's definitely one of the best of the year. It could be the best album of the year, even if it's not in my top five favorites. It might be. And it's and one of the reasons why I think that is because going opposition, I, I said earlier about some other albums and other artists is that he has a few albums under his belt. And I think this is the best one. Yeah, I think I think this is his best job as, as an MC and as a producer, especially there are great features on there. I mean, Lil Wayne shows up interesting features on this not yeah. not typical features for a hip-hop album to come out in 2021 i mean he's th- there there are kind of artists you've never heard of he's throwing it back and and grabbing you know mcs from 10 15 years ago i mean it's it's an eclectic album for a hip-hop album yeah and and lil wayne is on there and it's one of those things where like Oh yeah, when he wants to, um, he can be the best at this. Like, like you forget how good Lil Wayne is, and all of a sudden he appears a third of the way into this Tyler the Creator album. You're like, oh wow, that was that the best verse on this album? What just happened? For me, the album it comes in so hot on like the first five tracks, and then it never really lives up to that. Um, so it's gone down my list. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely has, it, it has a middle lull. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, all that being said, I still think it, it could be the best album of the year. Um, despite, but I mean, it's 16 tracks. I mean, of, you know, we would talk about a lot of the albums this year that have been kind of critically acclaimed and have, that I've been responding to personally, aren't these 15, 16 track albums that are pushing an hour. 
but more staying in the 30 to 40 minute range at a tight 10 song list, you know? So going back to listen to all of the albums I've been loving over the year again, this is the kind of one I'm like, Oh, here comes the long one. This is going to take me, you know, time to get through and there's going to be lulls. So it's been less exciting to listen to over and over again, but that's been in the context of like preparing for this episode. So it might turn out that this one holds up the best over time. And I look foolish for saying all of this right now, but yeah, I think this is his best album. I think it's probably the best of the year, even though not personally in my top five. Um, So yeah, great pick. What about you? Let's hear your number four. Um, Like your number five, mine is also a collaboration. Um, But instead of being kind of a throwback to 70s funk and R&B, it is a very tender, soft, whispery collaboration between Sufjan Stevens and Angelo D'Augustine on their album, A Beginner's Mind. This is an album that, you know, I, I love before it even had the chance to come out. It's Sufjan, who I think is one of the greatest writers and composers since I've been alive. Um, I really think that highly of him. I think he's fantastic. Um, so, and I pretty much love everything he's done with very few exceptions. The idea of the album is that he and Angelo D'Augustine, um, his label mate on Asthmatic Kitty Records, went to a cabin owned by, I think it's Aaron or Bryce Desner, with a stack of movies, watched them, and then wrote a song about them the next day. Uh, Just kind of just like a a really fun, friendly songwriting experiment. Some of those movies are like Vin Vendor's Wings of Desire. Um, Some of them are a Hellraiser sequel, a Bring It On direct-to-video sequel, um, the Return to Oz sequel, but also Silence of the Lambs. You know, I mean, like, there, there is a lot of stuff in there. Um, All About Eve, She's Gotta Have It. I mean, it, it is a really postmodern, like, combination of, of highbrow and lowbrow culture. And, and all of it is kind of under the pretense of meditation and approaching things with, like, a very Buddhist beginner's mind, this kind of Zen Buddhist way of approaching songwriting. Um that's just very fun. What would your song choice be from a beginner's mind? I don't even know if I know how to pronounce it, but it's the one based on a silence of the lambs, the Sumerian shade really. Uh, and Sufjan's done this before looking at real serial killers like John Wayne Gacy and trying to find something sympathetic and lovely about them, um, which is very hard and very challenging, um, which makes his, you know, very outspoken Christianity so interesting mm-hmm. that's not praise and worship music it's faith is hard doubt is a big part of it and loving you know your friends and family is easy finding love for a a serial killer is much harder and it's that kind of radical love that makes Sufjan not a kind of kumbaya Christian artist but someone who's uh, much more complex and much more interesting Mm-hmm. Um, and that song is kind of one of his best takes. And sometimes he does it with someone like Tanya Harding, who's had a very troubled, you know, 30 years. Um, and, and sometimes it's fictional serial killers. And um, he's one of the best to do it. So, yeah, that'd be my pick. Christ 
down to the top three and for me my top three this is the beginning of the three albums that really kind of stayed in the top three all year long or at least that for the second half of the year um, and these are probably the three albums that I have enjoyed the most and have gone back to over and over again all of these um, and this is a trend that you and I have talked about, and I really love that we're beginning to see in the 21st century. All of these are female artists. So my number three from the weather station, the album ignorance. Uh, this is the first album by this artist I have ever listened to. So nice. never, never listened to the weather station before, um, but really, really, really fell in love with ignorance with this album I, I i love the use of strings um phenomenal use of strings especially cello and viola on this album um i love the timbre of the female vocalist voice um it, it's just it, it it all works together in in ways that feel haunting like ha haunting is kind of the best term i can think of to describe this weather station album it it stays with you in a way that it it really kind of colors the rest of the day um and so especially moving to a place where uh fall has involved cold weather and cloudy days and leaves falling ignorance by the weather station has been a constant companion for me on drives whenever i'm driving somewhere by myself this is often the album i'm listening to and my favorite song from this album is the song tried to tell you it has to be that song's so good That one's been stuck in my head because that's one that when it came out, people were just like, this album is one of the best year I listened to. It. And for the first time, I was like, that's all good. It's all very agreeable. Like it's, it's like indie pop disco, um, but also very concerned about climate change and, you know, has a bunch of you know, kind of anxieties, you know, 21st century anxieties that says some like disco beats, but you know, it's, um, it, it took me a while to get to, but now it's, it's, for me, it's one of those ones where it's like, uh, it's always been like 
you know, it started out like just out of like the top five. And then sometimes it was number 10, number 11, number 12, back to 10, back to 11. You know, it's just kind of in that kind of range. But I think now I'm ready to solidify it like top nine or 10. See, I'm still flipping it. But for me like that and the new album from Low, I kind of keep going back and forth on. Um, but both firmly in the top 10 now, um, but kind of interchangeable still. Um, those two, I think that they're, they're really great. Yeah. Albums. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Hey What, the, the low album. I mean, that, that was a, that was a top 10 album for both of us this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, you, you talk about a band that's been playing together for what, 25 years now to, uh, to put together. I mean, maybe even more, you, you talk about an album, putting that great of an album together this far into their career. Um, it's impressive. Uh, sonically, maybe the most interesting album that came out this year. I mean, there are just, there are sounds that you can't hear anywhere else unless you put that album on. Like it, it, if you if you're into music in that way, it's a must because I mean there there are really great textures and soundscapes uh, created by the two of them. What's your number three? Uh, my number three. Um, another one of the kind of, I mean my. In my top five, the five, four, and three, those spots have been kind of my my most anticipated albums of the year. Um, so it's just like kind of feels like no matter what, they're going to be in the top five. Um, but number three hasn't been out very long, only about a month and a half at the point of us recording this, and that's the new Courtney Barnett album. Uh, things take time, take time. I mean, I love her. Um, there's nothing that she's put out that I did not like. The the double EPs release that came out in 2014, phenomenal. The album, uh, sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. For me, top 10 of the previous decade. Um, her collaboration with Kurt Vile, uh, a lot of sea lice. I, one of my favorites of that year. And um, yeah, tell me, uh, tell me what you, uh, tell me how you really feel. Tell me what you really, uh, whatever. Her 2018 album. Um, top five for that year. I mean, so like anything she's put out since 2014 has been in my top five for that year. Um, fellow left-handed person, you know, so you gotta, gotta represent a lefty when you get the chance. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. No matter what, this was going to be in my top five. Uh, cause I, I love her and in no way to this album, uh, disappoint. And it's, um, I think it, took some people some adjusting because it's not kind of doesn't have the more abrasive kind of punk rock attitude of her other albums it does sound like a post covid post quarantine kind of vibe it's not it's not i don't think it has a lot to say about that stuff but that's definitely the vibe you know there there are more drum machine sounds uh, than there are like live drums and i think that's a product of writing and recording by yourself throughout 2020 and maybe people don't want that. Maybe people want to be reminded of big live music and, you know, that she's been known to put out. Um, but I dig it. I dig this album. So top three uh, for sure. A lot of great songs on there. Um, but I'm going to choose this song. To write a list of things to look forward to.
it, it didn't hit the spot I was expecting it to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is an album I could see as, as it grows on me, I could see that album rising up my list as well. Yeah. I think it's going to hold up really well over time. Uh, even though it's a kind of a short album, it's another one that clocks in like maybe under 35 minutes. And I think it's only 10 tracks, you know, it's very much playing into that kind of trend that we see this year. My number two, and, and I have a caveat for this. My number two, without a doubt, is the album that I have heard the most this year. And the reason for that is that I am the father of a middle school girl. Um, so this is an album that I have listened to a lot on my own because I, I really love it. And it's an album that I have listened to a whole lot with my oldest daughter. Because of that, I have heard this album in these songs more this year than any other artist. And the fact that at this point, I am not tired or sick of this music is a testament to how well-crafted these songs are. Um, No matter who gets the credit for the songwriting um, or how that credit is shared, and we'll get into that in a minute, uh, I think this is a really great album. My number two album of the year is Olivia Rodrigo's debut album, Sour. And for all of the big singles that were released, I am grateful as an indie rock and emo dad. I am grateful to Olivia Rodrigo in the song Good For You because Good For You became my daughter's entry point to emo music and now my daughter is a full-on emo kid. As a father, I just couldn't be more proud. So my pick for Olivia Rodrigo Sour is good for you, even though admittedly the best song on the album is Driver's License. Good for you, I guess you moved on really easily You found a new girl and it only took a couple weeks Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world Good for you, I guess that you've been working on yourself I guess the therapist I found for you, she really helped Now you can be a better man for your brand new You know, that that note, I think it's old kind of fast, especially since that's just what pop music has become, you know, like alternative pop music, which is just um, been referred to kind of frequently as just like Sad Girl Autumn, just something that for some reason to everyone sounds very autumnal, gut-wrenching lyrics that, you know, you want to write in your notebook and and cry to on the bus drive or in the backseat, you know, on your ride to school or something, you know, that's just kind of what pop music has become. It's become either that for like introspective people or it's become like, you know, back to again, cause this kind of happens in waves, the like hypersexualized pop music uh, that kind of comes out. So you either have like the introspective version or like the Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, you know, that 
end of like the pop music spectrum from women in pop music in particular. Um, yeah, but both of which become tiresome to me, but I, I've just discovered that I kind of have a low tolerance for Disney and Nickelodeon child stars becoming pop stars um, and, and singing music. It's like, you're not really relatable people talking about like, I'm, I'm just going to quit my job and start all over. It's just like your job on high school, the musical, the musical, or was it your parents and new girl? What are you so bummed about? Yeah, I don't know, but that, that that's just me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's great big pop music. I mean, the, the big singles are the big singles. Hard to deny. I mean, they they are earworms for sure. And if I had a daughter, I that'd probably be my best hope too. Is that that would be the pop music that she, you know, would gravitate toward. Good pick, fun pick. All uh, right. Well, what's your number two then? My number two is also from a young woman um, who is from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and her name is Faye Webster. And the album is called I Know I'm Funny, Haha, ha. Uh, which is really great. It's um, one part alt country, one part rhythm and blues, and one part Animal Crossing per her own admission. Um, it's just great, great songs. They're just great songs. She's been opening for, uh, she did a couple shows opening for Wilco recently. She's going to be touring with Haim on their tour. Um, so she's got a great career uh, ahead of her. And it's because this year she put out this record that is just track for track, just unbeatable. I mean, just really great music that's really i mean falling songs about falling in love with baseball players for who played for like the braves who she's never met um awkward dinners with uh your significant others family i mean just, just really really good songs I, you know and um the, the record's great too you know I, I i heard it i streamed it the morning it came out and i was just like i went to the record store that's probably like at nine in the morning record store opens at like 10 so i listened to it and was like all right Gotta go get my keys and pick this one up. All right, this is this is just I need this. Um, yeah, and it's something I've been listening to frequently, you know, since it came out. You know, so it's um, oh boy, picking a song for this one is really tough. Why not in a good way? It's kind of the grooviest one. I didn't know I was capable being. Spoiler alert, 
uh, you and I have the same album as our number one album of the year. For me, this album has never been lower than two since it came out. Um, and since I was first exposed to it, uh, this is an artist who has uh, done quite a few albums, but this is the first one that I have ever heard. Uh, this is the first time I was ever exposed to this artist. And so it's one of those things when an artist you've never heard of and you've never heard anything by releases something and it comes across your radar and you put it on and you instantly go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here for all of this. So uh, another female artist, a, a new to me female artist, but Micaiah, you and I have the same number one album of the year. So let's not uh, leave it to uh, any more delay. Micaiah, share with our listeners our pick for the number one album of 2021. It's Jubilee by Japanese Breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this is this is a real no-brainer. I mean, every time I, I've listened to my top 10, top 15 albums of the year a lot, like pretty much each day for the last, you know, for, for the better part of this month. Um it is it's it's become more and more obvious when I go back to listen to Jubilee, which I've been doing since the beginning of June. I don't think it's just my favorite album of the year. I'm I'm increasingly convinced that it's the best album of the year. Mm-hmm. It is it, it is admittedly a little front loaded. The big pop numbers are right up front um, to get you in the door, but I don't think side two has a weak spot personally. Also, is this a record that you have, or is this something you typically stream? I typically stream. Okay, because I I have the record for this one, and so breaking apart. Literally side one and side two, to me, I don't think there's a weakness on there. Mm-hmm. You know, to actually be, you know, physically able to like do that. Um, yeah. Stronger album through that kind of perspective. Well, I don't know, Micaiah, what about you? But for me, I, I so I am a big fan of the, of the big pop numbers you get. But weirdly enough, one of my favorite songs on this album is kind of the is is kind of the entree into this album. It's 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 that introduction, Paprika, mm-hmm. which is not. I mean, it's not a huge pop number, but no. there's something there's something that I really love about this album. And in many ways, the song Paprika reminds me a little bit of uh, of a lot of songs from the Phoebe Bridgers album that came out in 2020, Punisher. Um, had a very very similar vibe uh, on the song Paprika, and I I just really love that. Um, and so for me, Paprika straight through to Slide Tackle, mm. that that four songs is such a strong collection um, that that I think for me that's that's kind of the highlight of the album. But you could take any one of those four songs, and I'd be happy with it as the choice from Jubilee.
What about you, yeah. McKay? I mean, let's look at that side one. Paprika, I mean, it starts off with a gong, you mm-hmm. know, when it gets into the court. I mean, it's a big opener. Yeah, love. And then the live performance that she did on, I think, Seth Meyers or, or somebody was also really great. Um, I mean, the best pop song, I mean, we, and we have, we've talked about Doja Cat. We've talked about uh, and Olivia Rieger. For me, the best pop song that came out this year was Be Sweet. Yeah. On this be, record. Be, be Sweet is definitely the, the, the huge, the huge pop hit from Jubilee. This, this song, it, it hits a lot of the same kind of big eighties pop uh, kind of pop picture, you know, like that, mm-hmm. those kind of cliched eighties pop things that we hear a lot. We, we do hear those in Be Sweet, which is part of the reason I love it. Well, I mean, it's like Tiffany, but like informed by like Prince or something, yeah. you know? Like, it has that kind of, like, sweet mall, 80s mall pop kind of sound, but the sophistication that you're used to getting from someone like Prince and the Revolution. what's so great about this record is that it'll go from that and pivot real hard to like Kokomo, Indiana. Yeah. Which she has said the biggest inspiration for that was Jesus, et cetera. Mm-hmm. By Wilco. And a really fun thing that happened over the summer was Jeff Tweedy and his family do like an Instagram show on Instagram live called the Tweedy show. And um, Jeff Tweedy and his sons will perform music and they played Kokomo, Indiana on the show and she flipped out because, you know, she took to Instagram and she's like, this is crazy because my band covered Jesus, et cetera. Um, I made them listen to this, that record when we were recording this song. And yeah, so it was just this really kind of fun thing where you kind of get to see, you know, uh, a, a newer, younger artist kind of be blown away that someone like is established as Jeff Tweedy, you know, playing your song. I mean, that's a huge honor, you know, it, it was a really sweet moment to kind of watch happen over the internet. So yeah, for me, an obvious number one. Since we have the shared number one album of the year, let's go back now to an area of different for us, an area of difference for us. Um, the hardest album to leave off. I think I cheat and talk about two albums every time we've done this on the bonus episodes, and this will be no different because the album that came out of my, that dropped from my top five for the first time since 
it came out in September was uh, how long do you think it's going to last by Big Red Machine? The collaboration between Justin Vernon of Bonnie Bear and Aaron Desner of The National. I mean, just more, you know, more albums came out since, uh, since September. So that kind of happened. Uh, Courtney Barnett, War on Drugs, just kind of pushed it out. But there are songs on there that, I mean, like the song Phoenix, which has Robin Peckman of Fleet Foxes with Justin Vernon. You know, in 2008, the first Fleet Foxes and Bon Iver albums came out. So to have the two of them finally collaborate on an album was a major indie kid wish fulfillment. You know, so that album has some great songs, but my enthusiasm for it really lies within like the first five of 15 songs. You know, so like the Flea Foxes collaboration, the Taylor Swift collaboration, you know, and then from there it's like good stuff. The albums that came out October, November just kind of pushed it out eventually but that's not my pick for this i just wanted to get that out there because i I feel like it's been on my top five for so long this year that it would be dishonest to not mention it um if anyone understands rob i'm sure it is you Um, but for me what's become my top five is an artist who's new to me again another new artist who's new to me um and the album is an overview on phenomenal nature by cassandra jenkins um, and this is kind of the thing I've been talking about. It's seven songs, 31 minutes long. You know, it, it's another part of this trend of more condensed, more concise albums. This is the first album you and I have talked about um, for this list that I have not heard. I have not heard this album, not listened to it even once. I'm hearing about it for the first time right now. Oh, well, uh, I haven't listened to all of the Silk Sonic album, if that makes you feel better. Of course, I've heard the great big singles and watched the music videos, which is one of them, like, sponsored by Big Tobacco, by the way. Why are they singing and dancing and smoking? I'll leave it alone. But, yeah, an overview of Phenomenal Nature by Cassandra Jenkins. New to me. Um, fantastic. It's, it's just a fan. The opening track, uh, Michelangelo, is wonderful. And it... Uh, yeah, it just keeps getting better. New Bikini is great. Cross Harris is great. Um, the joke I made earlier, I've heard of Impossible Germany, but Ambiguous Norway um, is a song that's on here. Um, how many more times can I mention Wilco, a band that didn't even have an album come out this year? Um, but the the big song from this record, um, kind of the one that got the most love and you know was put out like as a single digitally. You know, what what does it mean to put out a single now? Anyway, it's just it's kind of the first one you put out onto the streaming service, but uh, it's called Hard Drive, which is just a, a really exceptional song. A security guard stopped me to offer an overview on phenomenal nature. She said, sculpture is not just formed from penetration. You see, men have lost touch with the feminine. And with her pink lipstick and her queen's accent, she went on for a while about our president. I asked the bookkeeper at the end of the seventh ray to tell me what he knew about St. Germain. 
and he told me about chakras and karma and the purple flame, the birth of the cosmos, the ascended masters, and the astral plane. He said, you know, the mind, the mind is just a hard drive in this life. The mind is just a hard Rob, what is your hardest to leave off? My hardest to leave off is actually the album that I kind of ranked as my 10th favorite album of the year. This is an album that because of a bunch of stupid rules is not going to get the celebration in awards that it should. And it is Bo Burnham's Inside the Songs. Uh, this is the collection of the music from Bo Burnham's Netflix special uh, Inside that came out at the midpoint of the year. You and I, who are both huge fans of comedy, um, talked about this at great length when it came out. It did something that only the very best uh, specials do, or only the very best pieces of art do, in, it, in that it stays with you it stays in you it it changes you and and there's something that i thought was so beautiful about it um but the reality is in the middle of this expansive funny sometimes heartbreaking sometimes awkward and incredibly painful thing to watch there are these beautifully crafted songs that are catchy and funny and uh, well constructed and it's it's the old saying that some of the some of the deepest truths are said in jests. And there uh, is a song that, for me, I, I think it, my song of the year, uh, my my favorite song of 2021, is Bo Burnham's "That Funny Feeling." Stunning 8K resolution meditation app In honor of the revolution It's half off at the gap Deadpool self-awareness Loving parents Harmless fun The backlash to the backlash To the thing that's just begun there it is again, that funny feeling, that funny feeling. There it is again, that funny feeling, that funny feeling. The Surgeon General's pop-up shop, Robert Iger's face. Discount at Agit Prop, Bugles take on race. Female Colonel Sanders, easy answer, civil war. The whole world at your fingertips, the ocean at your door. The live action Lion King, the Pepsi halftime show. 
20,000 years of this Seven more to go Carpool karaoke Steve Aoki Logan Paul A gift shop at the gun range A mass shooting at the mall There it is again That funny feeling that funny feeling There it is Again That funny feeling You know, so maybe maybe this will be a document that people can be like, well, this is this is what 2020 felt like. Yeah. Uh, especially for you and I who are white, white men. Wait, white, straight, cis men, as is Bo. So that is, that is his point of view. And, you know, there's kind of and, and he addresses that often in his comedy and has been for years, you know, so it is very much, you know, pointed toward us. But I mean, that, that's his voice. I mean, who it be, it would be insane if he tried to speak for a different, you know, demographic. If, if he was a straight white cisgender man, it was like, this one's for the, the, the trans Latin X community. I got y'all on this one. That would be much stranger. But, but the thing that I love is he, he speaks to that without pulling any punches at all. And, yes. And, yes. And so there's something really beautiful about that. And then there are songs that like, there are songs where you go, this, this is really funny right now. But I also wonder like, huh, this is also something that's been true for more than just the last year. So like mm-hmm. uh white woman's Instagram. Is, oh yeah. For the last 10 years, that's been uh, uh FaceTime yeah. with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, uh, that is how the world works. That's um, how the world works is great because I fear I have a theory that um it's been announced that that Bo's working on a Sesame Street movie, mm-hmm. and I can't help but feel that this this started as a Sesame Street song gone awry. Yeah, uh, it was like, well, I can't put these words in Elmo's mouth, um, so it's going to Sako. Um, one of those songs that you're just like, huh, this is cute and funny, and like, oh, oh boy. Uh, but white woman's Instagram starts that way too is, you know, it's just kind of like, ha 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 dragging these white girls for all these kind of cliches, these social media cliches. But then it gets into this kind of moment where he's okay to sympathize with them mm-hmm. about seeing about a post about a woman remembering her dead parents. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not afraid to do that too. I mean, the irony is that it's very weird to overshare on social media. So there's still a joke there, um, but I still think it's sympathetic at the same time. Um, which is, I think, what makes Bo so appealing at this phase in his career. Um, but then you have songs that should have been on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about my favorite song, All Eyes on Me. Yeah. No reason why that can't be on the radio. That's a great pop song. Um, since you said your song of the year, I think for me, um, my favorite song of the year was Little Things by Big Thief, which will be on their album coming out next year. But for me, the song of the year... Um, is um, Like I Used To by Angel Olsen and uh, Sharon Van Etten. Well, listener, you've heard our top five of the year and our hardest albums to leave off, our songs of the year. We leave you now our 10th and final bonus episode. We're excited to announce that we will be back on Monday, January 10th with our first episode of season two 
of You Forgot One. Uh, we have finalized each of our, our 50 lists that we will include in that first episode. Uh, and we have enough crossover to plan on doing 24 episodes, uh, at least 24 episodes in the coming season. Albums stretching across more than 50 years. And uh, we're very, very excited about all that is ahead. It's been a great year. Thanks for a wonderful 2021. We want to thank you for all of our listeners, our sponsor anchor for their support this whole year long, every single one of our guests in 2021 and all of the guests that we have begun booking for season two of the podcast. And of course, all of our independent record stores of the week. We are so excited going into 2022 to be sharing some more independent record stores of the week as we start a new season. So we want to thank you for that. Makai, you want to give any thoughts? Yeah, man. Uh, Been a good year. Glad to keep doing this. I'm I'm very excited to see what 2022 has for us. We already have some of our first couple of guests lined up and uh, and we're really excited for those. And I'm excited to see, you know, who else we can get, you know, we're going to cast a wide net and, you know, put on a good show for everybody. So can't wait. Listener, we'll see you in the new year. 